0: Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to ariselife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. What we're going to be doing is watching Nehemiah and getting some tools and some understanding of how God will interrupt us and guide us to launch into what he has for us. Okay? Anybody here need a course correction? You know how you know you need a course correction? What's manifesting in your life is not what you want, what you expected, what God promised. Does that make sense? That just means you need a course correction. Anybody driven on the highway and you you realize, I remember as a kid, we're on a straight highway and my dad keeps doing this. I'm like, why is he doing that if it's a straight highway? Why was my dad doing this? because you find over time you drift. To stay in the middle of the lane, you have to keep making course adjustments. All right, anyway, moving on. So you guys pray for me because I created these incredibly gorgeous slides with amazing maps, and then I left them at home. (laughs) So uh, apparently y'all didn't need them. So I'm gonna make this up as I go along. No, we do have the scriptures, thankfully, but if you guys want to open your Bibles, Nehemiah chapter 1, we'll start at the beginning because that's a very good place to start, as Maria said. All right. This is uh, verse 1 and 2. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. Well, that clarifies everything. Yeah, right. <laughs> Who in the world is Nehemiah. It is so important, I say this over and over again, but it's so important, you don't know, ask. Well, how could I find out? You ever heard of Google? Like, it's not complicated. Like, but there are many other resources as well. Who is Nehemiah? We'll find out. We're going to find out also, though, if you don't understand, keep reading and looking for clues. In the month of Kislev, once again, clarifies everything, Right? <laughs> Everybody fine? You're like, Kislev, totally. I, I had a great Kislev, right? You actually did. It's, it's November, December in the Hebrew month. So, so you had a great Kislev, I promise you. All right. Um, in, the, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, tw- what, like after Adam and Eve? Yeah. Like, like, help a help brother out. Like, what's going on here? I don't understand. Ask questions. Ask questions. We'll get there. While I was in the citadel of Sousa, like the guy who wrote the marches, John Philip Sousa? I don't know. Like, again, 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 I would submit to you when you read something and don't understand it, it may hold keys that you need. But if we keep driving over, who here, you've read an entire page of scripture and understood nothing except and and the? <laughs> Listen, you have not because you asked not. All right. Hannah and I, one of my brothers, well, now we got something. Apparently, Nehemiah's got a brother, Hannah and I. All right. Came from Judah with some of the other men, and I questioned him about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, also about Jerusalem. Okay. Hopefully, that created some questions. Exile. What exile? What in the world? What is Judah? All right. I'm going to give you a crash course in ancient Near East history. Some of you are like, Jesus, help us, Lord. Listen, listen, if you have no questions, you can talk to Jesus on your own. Um, I'm just going to clarify some things if I can find my pens. There we are. All right. Anybody here, you read all the place names and it all scrambles together? Anybody realize the bad guys keep changing, but I can't figure out why? Okay, I'm going to explain. I'm going to explain. Okay, so first of all, you need to know something. God brought um, Israel into, he created his kingdom in the most strategic spot on the face of this earth. Right here. This is. This was Israel, right? They're right here. This is the Mediterranean. This is the, the Nile Delta. This is Egypt. This over here is Mesopotamia, the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers. They create an incredible... Um, uh, fertile area delta and there are three major uh, um, uh, three out of the five big civilization centers in the world are right here asia minor mesopotamia and egypt and guess how they all interact through this little piece of land this is why the valley of armageddon is the place that has had more battles than any other place on earth they keep fighting over this area Because this is the connection point between these three major civilizations, and God's like perfect. (laughs) Anybody here you said yes to Jesus and found you jumped out of the fire fire into the frying pan? You know, he leads us into battle. Why would he do that? Because he wants to lead us in victory, that we would be more than conquerors. So you got it. So over here, Egypt through thousands of years, has had minor changes. It's always Egypt. It's always Egypt. It's always Egypt. Thank goodness. It's still Egypt. Praise God. All right. Over here, though, we have this thing of these empires that shift back and forth. We start out with Sumer in Sumerian Empire in 3000 B.C. Then it moves to the Babylonian Empire, the Assyrian Empire. And we're going to pick up the the thread in uh, 1100 B.C. All right, see if you can follow along. There will be a test. Awesome. All right, let me just do a timeline real quick. So right here is 400 B.C. Right here is 1100 B.C. Anybody notice there's a problem that the numbers get get smaller going that way? Does that look wrong? Why? Because before Jesus, we count backwards, right? Okay, so so the smaller the number, the closer you're getting to Jesus and the closer you get to us. So... Here's the deal, 1100, in 1055, the Neo-Assyrian uh, um, Assyrian Empire is formed. That's in the north of Mesopotamia. Why is that important? Up to this point, everybody would just, um, if they attacked anybody, it was just to make a withdrawal from the ATM. Anybody remember the Midianites? They'd roll in, take all their stuff and leave. The Philistines would roll in, take their stuff and leave. The Aramaeans would roll in, take their stuff and leave. What changed is the Assyrians said, we ain't leaving, we want it all. It was the first truly military uh, empire that seeked to dominate and control. And as a result, you see Assyria coming up. And so when they say Assyrian, they really mean this Neo-Assyrian empire. So right at this time, 10.52, guess who gets anointed as king? Saul. Why? So why are the people wanting a king? Because the Assyrians have shown up on the screen and, and things are starting to get ugly. They, we want protection. Who here, when things get ugly, instead of going to God, you try to find your own solution for protection? Awesome, great, good. How did that work for them with Saul? <laughs> <laughs> How did that work for you? <laughs> all right okay moving on, moving on all right so you guys remember pretty quickly it was like this is bad idea so we have david anointed king at the age of 16 15 right and everything went great for him yeah, no. no right because when you get a word from the lord about your destiny everything's easy peasy lemon squeezy from there on out right yeah. no no <laughs> and that's when it starts to get interesting right he ends up on the run da a da, 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 long story short In 1003, um, David is finally king of all of Israel. And this begins the golden age. And David takes the Israelites who are a slave people who are dominated by everybody around them and turns them into the wealthiest, most powerful nation on earth. Again, why? Because it has to do with that place it was in the middle of all these empires because all the empires were weakened to a degree and they made money, 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 money on trade. So anyway, but did it last long? No. no. But Solomon screwed everything up. Thank you, Solomon. And in 930, he dies and the, and the, uh, and the uh, uh, kingdom of Israel is divided in half. The top ten, the ten tribes in the north, the, they're the rich ones, and the poor two in the south, Judah and Simeon, separate, and we now have two kingdoms. To make it truly confusing, the bad guys get the good name. The bad guys in the north are the Israelites; they're Israel. The good guys in the south are Judah. Why is it <coughs> this important? From this point on, Israel has no good kings. Israel begins to pursue every sort of messed up plan, for, not because they're jerks, but because they're looking for what? Self-protection and prosperity. Anybody here, self-protection and prosperity, you've sought and it ended up poorly. And they did it by the ways of the world. And as a result, over time, injustice grew massively. In the middle of famines, they would do cannibalism. I mean, it's just, they would sacrifice their children left, right, and center. They became a completely self-obsessed, survivalistic culture. And guess what? In, oh gosh. Knew there was gonna be a test. All right, all right. I'm gonna say, uh, don't quote me on this, is, uh, uh, yeah, I can say the guy's name. Yeah, do it. Assyria, Assyria attacked Samaria. Why did they attack Samaria? You know why? Because Israel had made a pact with Assyria and then reneged on it. And guess what happened? Anybody here, you you made a partnership with the devil and then decided to back out of it? This is what happened. The thing is that people are like, they were sent into exile. They paid for the ticket. They bought the ticket to exile. They literally did. Anybody here done that? Like, no, they, and so what happens is the people of Israel are taken into exile. Huh? 722. 722. I was off. Thank you. That's why we Google. Say, well done. You asked not, you have not. So what happens is, 722, all the Israelites are sent into exile and they are never seen of again. Do you know why they're never seen of again? Because without vision, the people perish. They had no vision. They had no, had God forgotten them? No. No, but they had forgotten God and they lost sight. And the, and the 10 tribes, they're, they're called the lost tribes. They disappear. They disappear entirely. Now, some people claim certain lineages, whatever, but the reality is they still to this day can find genetic remnants of those tribes in the portions of, of that area. But they disappear. But Judah keeps going. You know why? Judah was 50-50 good kings, bad kings. Isn't that wonderful? They were 50-50, 400. So they persist up to the year of 586. They manage, okay, look at this, look at this, 350 years of, stu- of, of, of on and off stupidity, right? Isn't God gracious? He is loving and kind. He said, if you walk away from God, me, you're not gonna be able to stay in the land. Why? God calls us to places that can only be maintained by walking with him supernaturally. Listen, your destiny is not something you can achieve for yourself. If you have heard the call of God on your life and you're like, yeah, I think I can do that. You're either deluded or you haven't heard right. Because God only calls you to do things that only he can do in and through you. But anybody here... After saying yes to God, actually walking with God in your destiny, you decided to try it in your own strength. You started to think good of yourself. Yeah, I'm pretty awesome. I can do this all by myself. Yeah? That's how great leaders fall. Anybody seen somebody who starts drinking their own Kool-Aid? You know what I'm talking about? They're like, oh, yeah, you're right. I'm pretty awesome. And so, but... God was preparing them. Actually, I love it that you did Isaiah 40 because Isaiah, before this time, back in the 600s, was saying, guys, guys, <laughs> y'all about to get kicked out of land. You about, you bought a ticket just like they did. They did the same thing with the next empire because the, Babylon, the Assyrians got taken out by the Babylonians. The Neo-Babylonian empire came in and took out um, I want to say it was like 589. Like literally, like three years after the Babylonians showed up, they immediately came to Jerusalem. You know why they came to Jerusalem? Because one of the good kings invited them. Do you guys remember? Isaiah goes, "There's a there's a bunch of Babylonians, and they're not yet the player on the scene." And and uh, and uh, oh gosh, Hezekiah invites them in, and and Isaiah says. What did you do? He said, oh, I invited him in. Why? Because it was a great ploy. As He was going to partner with the Babylonians against the Assyrians. Because he didn't know the Assyrians were about to leave. And the Babylonians were about to be the bad guys. And he makes this deal. And he goes, yeah, I let him see everything. It was amazing. I showed all the good stuff. And you see the people, the Babylonians are like, did you fill out the shopping list yet? Actually, yeah, we'll take that. We'll take that. We'll take that. And Isaiah says, well, bro. Everything they saw, they're taking. Anybody, you, anybody notice this? It's not noticeable to you, but you notice it in other people's lives when they're making bad partnerships and they're about to get their lunch money taken? What happens here is they, as a result of this, but even at that point, what is Isaiah saying? The word of the Lord doesn't fail. Even when you and I fail, the word doesn't fail. What's the word? The word of the Lord, going back in Deuteronomy, says you can't stay in the supernatural land if you're not going to live supernaturally with me. But if you get kicked out, I'll bring you back. God is planning for your redemption before you make your stupidity stupid mistakes. Before, isn't that good news? Anybody here explored the, the depths of stupidity? You know, just for experimental value. He is not shocked. He is not horrified. Oh, my gosh. I had no idea you were capable of this. No, he has full faith in your ability. No, but even so, he made full provision for your stupidity before you chose it. Anyway, so 586, but guess what? Actually, before this, in 605, um, I'm sorry, I messed this up. It was 609 that... um, uh, that Nebuchadnezzar came to power, 605, the first bunch of people. He comes in and he takes and he and he takes Jerusalem. He says, you guys can stay, I'm just going to take your best and brightest. Who here, you got a wake-up call of a consequence? Do you know what I'm talking about? You're being stupid and suddenly, uh, oh, I'll put it this way. Oh, this isn't about you. You are driving under the influence of alcohol on a regular basis. And you get pulled over by the cops. Now, what's supposed to happen at that point? Arrested. Arrested pull, taken to jail. Lose your license, right? Automatic. You're sitting in the car waiting, going, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And you're envisioning your life ending, right? And in that moment, what happens? The cop goes, listen, listen. Oh, listen, we got another call coming in. Listen, don't do it again. You have a warning. Leaves you, and you drive off. Grace, grace, God's Grace. Anybody know what I'm talking about? What happens if you don't take that warning? <laughs> this is their warning call. Guys, guys, guys. remember the Babylonians? They're big, bad, and ugly. Quit it. Quit making partnerships with the devil. And, it, and so he takes the best and brightest. Guess who was in that train? Daniel. Daniel. God was already planning to infiltrate the Babylonian empire from the very beginning. God is not impressed with the empires of evil. He, <laughs> the empires of evil are afraid of him. He is not. We cannot afford to be impressed with the powers of evil. We have to. And so in this point, what happens is um, Daniel goes in, and he, immediately he rises to the top ranks with his buds uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The very Nebuchadnezzar, the very guy who sacked Jerusalem at the end of his life, gives his life to God. Huh? Hey! how about flip the script, right? Daniel said, yes, but then there's this amazing moment. He goes, I was reading the Bible and I realized Jeremiah said, 70 years we'd be in exile. And then we'd come back. It's been 70 years. And he begins to pray. And guess what? The Persian empire rises up. In a, again, in a heartbeat, in a moment, Babylonian empire is gone. And the first thing Cyrus of Persia does is let the Israelites return to the land of promise. God is not above taking world powers and using them for his own plans. We cannot be afford, afford to be impressed with them. And so what happens is, in this, this is amazing. God was planning from the beginning. Total side note. Do you know why 70 years? Interesting. Do you guys remember, they, when they brought into the land, they were supposed to do, they were supposed to keep three things. The Sabbath, the seven-year jubilee, and the 50-year jubilee. What that means is the Sabbath is don't work on Sunday, right? right. Why? It's a day of rest. Day of rest. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because if you're working all the time, you can never see when God's working. Second, the second thing is, is they were supposed to, every seven years, they were supposed to do what? They were supposed to do no work for a year, They were supposed to let the land rest for a year, and they were supposed to give back, like release everybody from debt slavery. Wasn't very important. Anybody here God's told you something to do, and you're like, that doesn't make financial sense? Don't argue with God. (laughs) But every 50 years, they were supposed to do the same thing, and for two years, the 49th and the 50th year, they were supposed to do nothing. Well, we're going to starve to death. Come to find out scientifically, you know what they found out when you leave your land fallow for a year? you get better crops. And in fact, if you work it every year, you destroy the soil. Right. Who knew God was right? Shocking. <laughs> Anybody here prove God true or right by doing the opposite? Yeah, anyway. So, anyway, the interesting thing is when you add up all the years of Jubilee they skipped, guess what? It's 70 years. <laughs> if you won't rest, God will put you in a timeout. Yeah. That's free. Anyway, anyway, 586 they fall they start coming back 70 years after 605 so that would be what math majors 535 Yep, 535 the first is zerubbabel and they go back and they 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 begin to build rebuild jerusalem and everything is easy peasy lemon squeezy right because when you say yes to jesus everything is easy right no so what happens is they go back to israel and they find, guess what? All the good stuff was already given away to everybody else. <laughs> and all they have is Jerusalem, which is an abandoned pile of rubble. Anybody hear you, when you finally said yes to Jesus, your life was just a pile of rubble? <laughs> guess what? That's the only things he works with. Anyway, so, fi- so he comes back in here and they immediately, they try, they try, they try. And in fact, they, they, um, they're trying, to, they're just building little huts here. They can't seem to get anything started. 465, they actually, um, they actually had all their candy taken away from them. They got invaded and taken away by their neighbors. And, and we start our story in 445 BC with Nehemiah. So this is the background. Everything everything's been going wrong for a while. Anybody here, everything's been going wrong for a while so nothing right can happen? Anybody, do you know that narrative? You're like, well, in this place, nothing good can happen. That's God's specialty. All right, so let's roll. How was that for an intro? Awesome. Well, and and part of the other reason I want to do this, I'm just taking the opportunity is, if you don't understand the word, you don't understand these are real people who are walking this out then you can't gain the the seed that's in these pages all right so it's uh, so we'll reread one and two right it says uh, so the guys had come from judah right from jerusalem and i questioned about the jewish remnant that has survived the exile and also about jerusalem all right so let's find out what he found verse three they said to me those who survived the exile and are in the province are in great trouble and disgrace Disgrace means they're powerless, they, um, they have no wealth, nothing's going well for them. The walls of Jerusalem are broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Why is this important? <coughs> if you do not have a wall in the ancient times, people can come and just take whatever they want at any time. Anybody had that experience in your life? Okay, not you, not you. Um, Anybody had a friend who had no boundaries in relationships? And therefore, every single time they had a relationship, they got all their lunch money taken. Nobody? Nod twice. Okay, do you know what I'm talking about? You have no boundaries. What are boundaries? This is me, that is you. You do you, I do me. Hands off. Right. The ability to say no to other people without walls, without boundaries in your life, you have no ability to say no to anybody and you get your lunch money taken over and over again. Wow. Or yes. And therefore, your yes is meaningless. Anybody had a friend who every time you say yes, you realize they have no clue what they're talking about? Because whatever is going to happen, it will blow them off course. Right? They have no ability to be consistent in their yes. All right. So if you're going to follow God and your yes to him is going to be sure, you actually have to rebuild the walls of your life. And the walls, God will rebuild the walls that your yes may be yes and your no be no. All right. The wall, okay. When I, and I love it. The gates have been burned with fire. They're not just broken. They are gone. They are gone. Oh, God loves hopeless. All right. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept, and for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now, why is this a little bit odd? We're going to find out a little bit in a row, but right now, Nehemiah is one of the wealthiest, most powerful people in the entire world. Nehemiah is rolling. But... He is over in Susa. Susa is the capital of the known world at this time. Persian Empire, the largest empire to date at that point. And way over here is little tiny Jerusalem. (laughs) Little tiny point down, nothing there. Here, every luxury known to humanity, every power, everything that's important there. Here, nothing Except the word of the Lord. Except the promise of God. And his heart is suddenly gripped. This is so important. Pay attention to what grips your heart. Because that's how God wants to communicate to you your calling and your value. Pay attention to what causes you to weep and mourn. And if you, like me, there have been times in my life I would like, weep, mourn? I don't even know how to do that. Who here, your goal has been to insulate yourself from sadness at all costs? you're actually going to be insulating yourself from the word of the Lord. God, it listen, God has emotions. Why? We're made in his image. And he weeps over us. He weeps over our brokenness. He weeps when we've been stolen from. He weeps when we've been taken advantage of. He weeps when we are failed to walk in the fullness of who we've been made to be. He weeps and he invites us to enter into that weeping. You guys remember That verse we sang, it's from Philippians chapter three. It says, the fellowship of his sufferings. You know what the true sufferings of Christ are? Christ suffered on the cross for 36 hours. That was not his suffering. The suffering of Christ is the passion he has for you. The passion he has for you. The passion he has for you to be who you were made to be, to be whole and to walk in life and to bring heaven to earth. That's his passion and he weeps and moans for that. And he invites us to participate in that. He, man, Nehemiah doesn't have anything to mourn about until God touches his heart. Pay attention to what, now listen, listen. Don't try to get people to vote for what wounds your heart. Everybody has a unique calling. Don't try to get a bunch of people on your team. Do what Nehemiah did. What did Nehemiah do? Let's see. When I heard these things, I mourned and I fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Mourned, fasted. What did he do? He immediately entered into God's rest. Why? He stopped. He stepped away from all of his privilege, all of his power, all of his money. He stepped away from all the ways that he could dumb down the pain. And in fact, in fact he said, I don't want to be vulnerable to the pain. I want to feel it. I want to know what breaks your heart, God. I want to live because in that morning he suddenly discovered the fire of God, the life of God. If you are right now, you realize as I'm saying this that your, your heart is dull, I have a recipe for you. And this is what he cries out to God. He says, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. okay, What does he do? Does he start with the problem? This is extremely important. When you and I start with a problem, we become impressed with the problem, and therefore God becomes small in our eyes. When we start with God, we discover a God who is much bigger than the problem and therefore has power over the situation. We must always, before, if we are to bring our things to God, we have to start with who he is. That's why the psalmist says, magnify the Lord with me. Lord, the God of heaven, listen, he lifts him, he, he lifts his eyes above this. He lifts up to see who God is. That's why we worship to get our eyes right, among other things. All right. He said, and he remembers his character, the covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer. Your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. Man. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. Now, you might say, what does he have to do with this? He didn't drag the people out of Israel. But where is he living right now? Is he living in the land of promise? Is he living in the calling that God has on him? No. He's enjoying the good life. Um, I love something I heard said. You cannot be a part of a solution if you're not a part of the problem. He is recognizing his place in the situation. He is recognizing his own. The fact that the reason, you know why he's doing so well over here? It's probably his family sold out. He's recognizing these things. He's recognizing. And because you can't from a distance walk in your destiny. You have to walk right in the midst of it. And that means addressing the things that are not as God has called them to be. All right. We have acted um, wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Wow. Where does repentance start? With himself. But it's destiny that calls him to repentance. Does that make sense? He sees where he's supposed to go and realizes he's not equipped to go where God's calling him to go. So the first thing he does is say, God! (laughs) I believe, help my unbelief. God, forgive me. I've been a part of the problem. Just because you've been a part of the problem does not mean you can't be a part of the solution. That's one of the lies of the enemy is he says, if you've been a part of the problem, you can't be a part of the solution. But we have to start with repentance. We have not obeyed the commands and decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses. Now, remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses. By the way, does God forget? No. When we remind God, you're not making some legal thingamalogger that you're like tricking God into actually being faithful because he wasn't going to be faithful. You're actually aligning your heart with who he is. You're the one remembering Remember the instruction you gave your Moses. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. Yep, got proof of that. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants, your people, whom you redeem by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord. Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name, who give, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. We'll get to that in a second. I was cupbearer to the king. What, what's going on here? God was faithful to bring the people back, but they didn't see the fullness of what God had promised, did they? They got back to the land of promise, but they weren't thriving in it. And Nehemiah is stepping into this gap. He's seeing this massive gap between what, um, what has been promised and what is. And instead of being impressed with it, and therefore I like, well, what can I do? He said, oh God, oh God, oh God, I, want, I know you're not done here yet. If it's not good, God's not done. If a situation has not begun to manifest heaven on earth, he's not done yet. And we've got to stop just throwing up our hands. If he, now listen, we can't address everything. There's always a hot button topic that everybody gets excited about, right? Like, you know, it's already gotten quiet, but sex trafficking was like it. Like you, it didn't matter if you had a calling to something else. Nope, you've got to do something. No, listen, it doesn't matter whatever else is going on. You have a call in your life to bring heaven to earth in the places that need it the most. And that's going to look different. And so here we've got this guy, cupbearer to the king. Do you know what this meant? I'll give you a little background. Artaxerxes is the king. Artaxerxes the first. He's Artaxerxes because his dad was Xerxes the first. A really nice piece of work. Um, and... Uh, Xerxes got killed, assassinated. And so what did Artaxerxes do? Kill the people who assassinated his dad. Just... Yeah, that way. Anyway, a double assassination. And so now he becomes king. It says he was long-handed. There's apparently some sign that he had some genetic deformities. So he's a weak. He's watched his dad be assassinated. Would that make you paranoid or neurotic? He ended up being a very successful king for about 40 years. But here's the deal. You know who the cupbearer was? Every time before the king would eat something or drink something, the cupbearer would eat from it, taste it. Why? Yeah, like this is a real and present danger. Like it's legit. Like it's like, I watched my dad die this way. Like would that make you paranoid? Like you're like, Nehemiah, how bad is it? He's like, we'll wait 30 minutes. Take a bite. We'll wait 30 minutes. You still feeling good? All right, I'll take it. Right? How's that for a job title? Again, who here, you get promoted, and you're like, why did I get promoted? God will promote you to the place where only he can keep you alive. <laughs> so here he is. But not only that, as a result, the king literally trusted Nehemiah with his life, right? Because if Nehemiah wanted to, would be like, oh, yeah, this is great. This is great. Take this. Right? Nehemiah could kill him in a second. So he was also the keeper of the king's signet ring. Before the king would make any law, he would ask for the signet ring from, from, uh, from uh, Nehemiah, and when it became law, nobody could change it. And so here's here he so as he was he actually acted as the chief financial officer of the Persian and Medo Persian Empire. When I said he was rolling, we don't have words for how much he was rolling. He had it going on. He had no reason to step away. Couldn't he have made up a little, little line? Yeah, I think I could help out. I'll just send some money that way, right? You know, I don't know, a couple camels of gold should do it, right? God doesn't want your stuff, he wants you. You are his weapon. going to put that out there. All right, so here he is. He is in this place. And so what does he say? He's, he's praying and he says, grant me favor in the presence of this man. Why? Do you think Nehemiah was important to the king? Do you think the king wants to part ways with Nehemiah? No. 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 In fact, everything for him in saying yes to God looked like a death wish. It looked like stepping away from everything good. Looked, I mean, can you imagine him trying to explain to his family? Oh, on top of this, I don't, we don't know at what point, but for the sake of this job, he had to be a eunuch. Man, talk about investment. Yeah. Wow, here he is, and he has given everything for the empire. And he's finally getting it, right? And uh, I'm going to throw it away. What do you think his family thought of him? <laughs> wow, what about the people who were like, like rolling it because he was rolling it? Listen, listen. Saying yes to Jesus eventually will cost you everything, but he'll give you everything. But hear me on this. It won't happen all at once. What is he doing? He's praying. He's not acting. This is really important. Anybody here known somebody who got a word from the Lord and immediately acted on it and then fell flat on their face? (laughs) Not you. Not you. No, no. Let me say this. God... He first plants the word in your heart as a seed. We have to give it time to incubate and to grow. If we can pull up that. There's, I, I see this in Nehemiah, three stages in the fulfillment of the dream. The first is incubating the dream. The second is birthing the dream. And finally, the third is overcoming obstacles to the dream. We're going to talk today about incubating the dream, and then we're going to get practical. There will be a test. All right, number one, next There we go. All right, so the first is, what does he do? He is listening with his ears and with his heart. Listen, there is, you know, God is not silent. We are oftentimes have insulated ourselves from hearing. Because who here likes to feel pain? Who here likes to feel sorrow? Nobody, right? And we are, our entire society is dedicated to comfort. Why is Holy Spirit called the comforter? Because you only need comfort if you mourn. He comforts all those who mourn, right? And so he listened with your ears and with your heart. For some of us, we need to say, God, open my ears. I've stuffed them with cotton. I've stuffed them. Some of us, it's gonna start with fasting from whatever our drug is. Well, that got awkward. (laughs) Like what are some drugs that we use to numb? Netflix, never heard of it. Touch not the Lord's anointed. No, what? What else? What else? What else? No, come on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell your neighbor's thing, not yours. Food, work, social media, oh, no. people, shopping. Oh, out of the mouth of two witnesses. <laughs> uh, you know, there's so many, and yours, nobody's is worse or better. They just all have different effects. But I want to say this. If you want to hear God's voice, ask him what drug to turn off. And you'll begin to feel. You'll begin to hear. It's uncomfortable. But that is the place we will meet him. God, this isn't right. He stays in this place. We find out he stays in this place for months. Oh, oh, this is so uncomfortable. Ladies, when you're incubating a child, (laughs) is it comfortable? No. And the final part is really not comfortable. But is it worth it? Yes. The reality is incubation is uncomfortable, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Listen with your ears and your heart. Then respond with prayer and the Bible. Remember, he prays and he appeals to scripture. Ask God to confirm his word in the word. Ask him, pray, stay in this place where you're conversing with God. Ah! Don't understand. Listen, God's not going to give you all the answers right up front. Because sometimes it is what Masha said standing in the fire of his presence burns off all the junk. So you can see clearly who he made you to be. And then finally, remember who is he? He said, Give me favor with the king. Why? Because he knows he's not making it out of Susa alive without the king's blessing. So somehow the king's involved. Wait in ambush. With eager expectation. Remember, we talked about this word "wait" in the in the in the uh, in the scriptures, and especially in the Old Testament. Waiting and patience is about waiting with eager expectation of good. Waiting like a hunter. Does a hunter hopefully doesn't sleep in their deer stand? Right, they're going to miss the shot. We wait, expecting with eager expectation of good. He is waiting. He is waiting to shoot his shot. He's waiting for the moment, but he is eagerly awaiting that God would move. Why? And here's the, we go back to this. Why is he waiting with eager expectation? Because he's confidence in the goodness of God, that the one who calls us is faithful and true, that he who begins a work is faithful to complete it. That's why we, as we are waiting. We have to keep God big in our eyes. We have to keep his glory and his goodness and his nature at front, because otherwise we will not be able to stay the course. Why is this so important? Anybody realize this world needs an encounter with Jesus? Yeah. And he doesn't. He and he only has us to send. Not just this room, but whew. so we're going to make this practical. You guys ready? All right. Okay. If I could have some help, uh, once again distributing. Thank you. Thank you, Jasmine. Thank you. Thank you. If you could give up, uh, find somebody else to. And then, uh, if you want some pens, if we could pass these around. We're going to, you're going to have a couple questions for you to ask God. I mean, I'll be, I'll be real with you all. I, at least half of my life I spent trying to avoid pain at all costs. That was my number one goal. Who are my conflict avoider people? Yeah. Number one goal, avoid pain. And if you start to realize, um, if, if, um, if you're avoiding pain, you might actually, the thing might be getting much worse, Right. All right, so everybody got pencil and paper? All right, we'll be taking these up to grade afterwards. Um, No, 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 these are for you alone. All right, the first thing, the first, this is a pre-question. I wanna say is, is there something, Lord, in my life that I need to turn off, turn down, step away from for a moment so that I can feel and I can hear? Is there something that I need to step away from, turn off, Give up for a moment, for a season, so that I can hear, so I can feel, so I can know your heart. Every one of us was made for purpose and destiny. Every single one of us. Every single one of us is not made just to live and survive to a pension or to a, a, to join AARP. It is, we all, each of us has a calling and it doesn't, it doesn't end with retirement. It doesn't end, it, it you have a call on your life and the world needs it. So first, the, the real first question, if we can move on. What areas is God highlighting for you? What are the areas that your heart hurts for? And you might, like, like a Nehemiah, be like, man, I'm over in Susa, it's way over there. I mean, it might be, you know, children in Africa. I don't know what it is. What is this thing that burns on my heart? I know, I, I don't even know how to get at it. You might, it might really be vague for you right now. God, what are the things that hurt? It might just be... You know, it, it, any number of things. Oh, it could, it could be a specific and more... family relationships, right? I mean, listen to the Holy Spirit. I mean, he's going to speak different. And there can be several. I mean, you know, pay attention to all of them. I mean, we'll get, we'll get down to brass tacks in a second. If we can have the next question. Which of those areas, Lord, are you inviting me to dig into? Which of those? Again, I know, the one thing I've realized about God as a loving father, he focuses on one thing at a time. The enemy tries to overwhelm us and distract us with many things. What's the one thing, God, you're putting your finger on right now? And again, it might seem utterly impossible, uno- like no way, no how. That's okay. That's his, that's his specialty. We'll get into the how later. And now the final question. What steps are you leading me to explore in this area? What are, what are you leading me? Where, how are you guiding me? What are, what are some things? Maybe it's some people to reach out to. Maybe it's some people to talk to. Um, honestly, a lot of, most of this is going to be by yourself. I, I'm, I'm a verbal processor. I'm, 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 I'm the worst of all sinners in this area. But let me just tell you this. If he's talking to you, don't run around to get everybody to vote on, your, on what he's talking to you about. Go inside. Go in with him. Draw near to him. Don't, don't run everywhere, but you go in. I feel like that's um, why we've been so intentional about writing things down um, in the last couple Sundays. I really have felt like the Lord said um, this year it's very important to listen very closely and to write things down. Um, so we, we just want you to write it down, whatever he's speaking, not to just let it, you know, bounce off and forget, but to really write it down and to pay attention. I love the way the message translates uh, this verse from, I think it's Habakkuk 1. It said, write the word of the Lord in big letters so you can read it while running. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> write it in big, big letters so you can remember it. Write it so you can remember it. Write it. The final, the final thing is, why why steps? A goal without a plan will never be anything but a wish, right? A hope without a plan is just a wish, and it has to have concrete action that you can take today that's not dependent on somebody else. See, he, yeah, there's a block, right? He's dependent on the king, but he's doing everything he can in his power. Listen, don't let somebody else's power in your life keep you from saying yes in the areas you can say yes, right? Awesome. If we can have the worship team come up, (laughs) I submit to you that 2022 is designed by God to be the best year of your life. The year that changes everything and the year through which he changes everything through you. And so, Father, I just ask right now that you would put your seal on the things you're speaking to people's hearts. Lord, I ask you to put your seal on their hearts, on their hunger, on the pain even that they feel. Lord, give us courage. Lord, send your comforter anew and afresh upon us so that we can be sustained in feeling the passion of your heart, to feeling the pain of your heart. God, what an honor to be invited into your pain that we can be the part of the solution that you're bringing to the earth, to bring heaven to earth, to expand the garden, to, that your glory might cover all the earth, that all men and women and children might know that you are good, that you are God, and that you are for them. Let us stand. Let's worship.